Are you ready to take your mindset to an even higher level on and off the mat? Then you're ready for the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, where business owners and aspiring entrepreneurs open their minds to new ideas and concepts that will help you during your entrepreneurial journey and during your consistent pursuit of becoming the best version of yourself personally and professionally. It's time to go beyond the mat with the host of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, Gustavo Dantas. Welcome to episode 61. I'm your host, Gustavo Dantas, and today we have the fifth degree black belt in serial entrepreneur, Andrea Dedeco Almeida. Besides being the co-owner of the New England United BJJ team, he is the co-founder of Origin USA, along with Pete Roberts, our guest from episode number five, and most recently, the co-owner of DDN Co. Lifestyle Clothing Brand. He shared his early days teaching in Brazil, then eventually the tough transition to the United States, and also about partnerships in business, which inspired me to title this episode, Making a Business Partnership Work. Stick around for my final thoughts after the interview when I expand on the topic and share with you seven tips for making a business partnership work. Stay tuned right after Jiu-Jitsu Tribe's message. Oos. The BJJ Mental Coach Podcast is a proud supporter of the nonprofit organization Jiu-Jitsu Tribe, formerly Live Jiu-Jitsu. Jiu-Jitsu Tribe supports social projects who offer free Jiu-Jitsu classes to unprivileged children and young adults in impoverished communities, inspiring, impacting, and improving their lives, keeping them away from drugs and crime, creating hope, and creating champions on and off the mats. Your donation helps projects to pay for their monthly expenses and facility makeovers. As a supporter, the BJJ Mental Coach donate all the profit of all online courses and merchandise to Jiu-Jitsu Tribe. For more information, please visit www.jujitsutribe.org. Let me introduce you to today's guest, Andrea Dedeco Almeida. Dedeco is a fifth-degree black belt under Ricardo Liborio. Dedeco opened his first academy in Rio de Janeiro with Alexei Cruz. Their academy produced several champions, and he formed the Best Way Association. In 2004, Dedeco decided to challenge himself and move to the United States. He has created a dominant team with affiliate schools in multiple states as well as overseas. He is the co-owner of the New England United BJJ team. While not only bringing his jiu-jitsu expertise to the United States, he is also the co-founder of Origin USA with a focus on American-made products. Origin USA has revolutionized the gi business and is now an industry leader. The deck is also the co-owner of DD & Co. Lifestyle Clothing Brand. The Deco, welcome to the podcast. Man, thank you so much for having me, Gustavo. I appreciate, man. Thank you so much, really. It's an honor to be here. Thank you, man. Man, let me tell you something. Uh, I started training in 1989. You're probably one of the guys that I know the longest in jiu-jitsu. You know that? Like, I think it was 92, uh, maybe, with Fernando? I, I think so. I think so. It was 92. I started like, I think it was 88 or 87, something like that. And yeah, definitely. It was, I think it was 92 because mm -hmm. I was with Fernando for like, I think it was six months. I don't remember exactly the amount of time. I mean, I'm getting old. I can't remember everything. <laughs> I don't remember exactly the amount of time. And Fernando, after uh, I started going to De La Riva, but I think, yeah, probably around that, yes. Yeah, no, I, I, I remember well. And it was a, 
it was a great transition for you going to the Hiva because at, at that point, I think since he was starting his work, there's no more training, uh, like training partners for you as far as yeah. like they could really challenge you there, you know? So I think you made the move in the right time. Man, I, Gustavo, he was actually, he was, you know, so, I, I can say even humble and understanding because he was the one that I moved in. He was the one that I said, hey, man, I can't give it to you anymore. You know, that's you, cool. you got to go to someone else, you know, and, and that's how the whole thing happens. And it was, what was awesome, man. It was, was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. And how did you show up in your life, though? Like, I don't know if you had any experience with other martial arts prior to, but. I, I, I did a judo when I was little, like, like, you know, everybody in Brazil does judo. You know, the girl, usually the girl, she goes to ballet or dancing, right? And and the boys goes to jiu-jitsu. So my parents put in me, myself in judo, I was maybe five, six years old, but I didn't stay too long. Uh, and then after that, I did karate uh, for a while. And, but it wasn't my thing, wasn't for me. But the funny part was, uh, growing up, you know, we come from the same neighborhood, the same place, and uh, growing up in Tijuca, you know how it is. And so what happened to me, it's actually a funny story. Um, I started to have a lot of anxiety, so a lot of anxiety attacks, and became like a panic attack, actually, around like 12, 13 years old and 14 I wasn't even like leaving my house anymore. I wow. was getting on the point that it was up because, you know, it sucks to say that, but I got robbed in Brazil when I was like 12, around that age. You know, those guys in uh, Praça San Spena. I've you been know, there. You've been there, so you know <laughs> what I'm talking about. So they, they stole, like they stole my watch, they stole my chain one time. So that became, I became so paranoid that I wasn't, I wasn't leaving. Like afraid to go to school, afraid to everything. So my parents brought me to psychologists. They tried karate. That's what I did. Uh, karate didn't work. wasn't for me. And it's funny. They brought me to the psychiatrist. And the psychiatrist stayed in the room with me, spoke with me for a while. Um, you know, and then after a while, he called my parents in. So my parents came in and instead of like, prescribing me anything he's like listen he needs that's what he's pretty much he was actually a jiu-jitsu guy and he wrote like hey you gotta bring him you gotta have him try jiu-jitsu you gotta him try this martial art called jiu-jitsu which my parents like oh he tried the karate didn't work whatever jiu-jitsu working man jiu-jitsu working i started and you know in three months my life changed completely like my self-confidence everything went up on the roof. And the funny part is, since day one, I became addicted. I became like something that I love it. I love it. And, you know, that's kept giving me confidence, confidence, and more confidence, and boom, everything happens, you know, until today, here I am. And how do you feel that you just relate to life? Gustav, I think, like, you know, it's funny. Uh, I'll put it this way. I closed my school this week for uh, the fourth. Uh, so every summer we have the, the break. So we, I closed my school for the week of the fourth, right? And uh, we reopened yesterday, Monday. 
each one of the students that I came through the door, they like, man, I don't know what I'm going to do without Jiu-Jitsu. They were like, I was so stressed in my home. I was so stressed at my work. I was so stressed. Man, I think like if you understand what jiu-jitsu is, if you have the mentality that a jiu-jitsu, the right mentality for jiu-jitsu related to life, I think jiu-jitsu, it's the biggest stress relief that you can find for any situation. Because look like this. You get a guy mounted on you. He's 280 pounds. He's sweating. He want to rip your head off. Mm. You got to stay calm. You got to breathe. And you got to find your way out. Man, put yourself in a life situation. You get, you know, sometimes we are, oh, I use this a lot in my, in, my, in my home with my kids, with my wife. Sometimes we are in the middle of the hurricane. So when you're in the middle of the hurricane, usually we don't see the exits. That's why it relates to Jiu-Jitsu. If you're learning how to relax, how to breathe, you're going to see the options. You're going to see your way out. You're going to see a better path to go. So relating Jiu-Jitsu to, to life, I think like they walk together. You know, they walk like when you spend your time on the mats, when you are rolling, it's the same thing when you have a hard time, you know, when uh, in your role, it's the same in your life. When you have something in your life that's bothering you, compares a lot to that when you roll. It definitely does. Now, when did you have the spark to pursue jiu-jitsu as a career? I don't know uh, how old or maybe even what belt were you because we were talking a little bit prior to the interview and I think we went to similar situations that were parents saying like, what are you going to do jiu-jitsu? You're not going to be successful. You know, you got to do this. You got to do that. The regular path, right? So next thing you become the rebels of the family. You're like, why is uh -huh. it why is like that? You know? yeah. So when do you think, and yeah, when was the time that you had the spark say like, you know what? I think I want to do this for a living. I'll tell you, Gustav, it's a funny story. I try everything to leave, not leave jiu-jitsu, but work with something else. I never, I never had the idea or dream to be a teacher. I was put there. So one day they threw me there. So the whole thing works, it's funny. Uh, De La Riva, the things start with De La Riva. Uh, so De La Riva used to have the class at seven o'clock in the morning, right? And we had a class seven o'clock. So, and then he used to have the, uh, another class at 10. But between those two dozy class, he used to have a kid's class. And I was always in the school with him. So he starts asking me to help him. So I started helping him in class with the kids. But I never had the desire to be a teacher. Never. I'm telling you, never. What belt were you by that point? Blue. Blue belt. I was a blue belt. Then, you know, Alexei opened a school in Tijuca. And I started like go in the morning to De La Riva School, and then at night I was going to Alexei to, to train with him. He opened a school in a little school called Peak in, in, uh, in Tijuca, and I was going to help him. So when I was there at night, he always had new people coming. He was giving to me, and I was helping those new guys. Same thing with De La Riva School. So when I look at De La Riva, he was like, uh, when he was traveling, he was asking me to like run the class in the morning. And I was doing as a blue belt, man. You imagine a blue belt, have all those guys from Carson Gracie showing up at your at De La Riva school to train and you were the blue belt running the class. 
man, I was scared of the shit. I, I don't know how I did it. You know, I think I did it because I was so young and I, I didn't think straight back then. And so I started doing that. Then De La Riva, uh, we had an opportunity to open a De La Riva school in Tijuca. And Alexei in De La Riva wants me involved in it. And I was a purple belt by then. Same thing. I didn't want to do it. I said, no, I don't want to do it. I'm going to help you guys. You know, I can teach you here. I can teach you there. What happened? De La Riva was like, so I started helping them. But on this whole career that I was teaching, helping, you know, the Alexei moved out of uh, Rio. He went to Berlin. I took the school over. So in this whole process, right, I went to a law school. I didn't finish. I went to a physical education school. I didn't finish. Because every time my father, my father used to own a business. I worked in my father's business for a long time. But jiu-jitsu always keep, kept me pulling back. Every time that I was trying to like, you know, when you go in this path, I'm going to run that. Jiu-jitsu pulled me back, pulled me back. Until the day that I said, you know what? I, and in this whole process, my students, like the guys that were training with me, that day, I think they were more my teammates than my students because we are all young. They start to get really good and they start to win tournaments, you know, you know those kids. For me, got Oscar, Tattoo. All those kids start to win a bunch of tournaments. And that's how I said, you know what? I think I should be a teacher, you know? I should start something. And that's how everything started. Yeah, I think the first time that I took over a program, for one point, I don't know if you were there, but it was in 95, the Associação Atlética Tijuca. Oh. There's a little heap of school there. I don't know who was teaching. I don't know if yeah. you're, I think you're involved too. Yeah, I think it was me, Alexei, and De La Riva. Exactly. So I was teaching some morning classes, mm -hmm. and Alexei was responsible for the night classes. And some it was exactly that school that uh, De La Riva opened, and we were together. You went to there, right? You yeah, I was. I, I ran the kids' program for a little bit because I know yeah. there's someone was teaching kids, and then they need someone, and then they talk with a Fernando, and that was the first time I took over one, and then eventually I started teaching Elizabeth, and then I left and kind of yeah. did my own program. I remember that. That's exactly what it was that time. So De La Riva put his name. Alexei was running, like I think, the night class. I was in the morning. You were doing the kids. I think that's mm -hmm. what it was mm -hmm. that yeah. we did. So that's when the whole thing started. Exactly that time. Yeah. So now. You've been involved with so many business now, especially like in Brazil and then came to the U.S. But now I want to kind of fast forward a little bit, arriving to the U.S., opening a school here. So what I want to know is how was the mindset when you came to the U.S.? We always mention that there are a lot of people who are listening to the interview, listening, they listen to the podcast. They are in transition. Maybe they're in and they work at something that they, they don't like. They actually want to do something else so they they have a, a passion but there's something holding them back from pulling the trigger and actually doing yeah. it so yeah. so you did and you did in a bigger scale because you did out of your country out of your comfort zone so how was the mindset when you came to the u.s to open up a school so uh the mind Let's go back into, into different things. So when I moved here, Gustavo, was like I had a pretty 
good life in Brazil. You mm -hmm. know, pretty good life with everything. My family comes from, you know, my family has money. I come from a very good family, very good life. When I moved here, that's why I have people that are, they ask me these questions because they are trying to do something and they like, man, uh, how did you do it? How, what I think is, uh, when I came, I decided to come with whatever I had. So when I moved to USA, I had five geese and a hundred dollars in my pocket. And I moved here to teach Jiu-Jitsu. I didn't want money from my parents. I didn't want anything. I said, I'm going to make on my own. And I know I will. So the mindset was, don't give up. Keep moving forward. You can do it. And I did it. You know, that was, I, I, the funny is, I want to put myself in that situation. It's so funny, Gustavo. You know what's the crazy part was? And I remember when I go back in 2004, I went to have a dinner with my wife. That was her birthday on October 17th. Uh, we moved here in August 4th. Or I don't remember the date. It was 4th or 8th, August 8th, when I moved to USA, 2004. Man, I sat down in a restaurant with my wife to have a dinner with her. And I never had experienced this in my life. I had to look at the menu. And I couldn't eat what I wanted because I didn't have money to pay. It sounds crazy. But that day, I became a man. That day, I was like, holy shit. I never had this feeling in my life. I didn't know what was that feeling. And that made me appreciate so much what I had and I was willing to do to move it forward. Makes sense. I don't know if it makes sense to a lot Absolutely. of people. But look in that menu and say, man. I can eat these, man. I don't have the money. I can only eat this salad here because that's what fits on my budget. You know? And I felt that day that I knew that that was born. And I do believe that day made me who I am today here. You know? And, uh, and that was the mindset that I have moving to this country was, doesn't matter what I have to do, I'm going to make it. Yeah, it's a... Uh... It's kind of like a wake up for life crash course, you know, uh, yes. like yeah. I came, yeah. you know, yeah. when I came to like, not that I struggle, my, my mom, she worked very hard to raise my, my brother and I uh, with no child support and everything. So she, we did have some humble beginning and she worked mm -hmm. so hard to give us like, uh, like an, a middle class that, and I, I can't complain anything mm -hmm. in life at all. Had rough in the beginning, but she worked so hard that to provide us. But when I, when I came to the U.S., it was the same thing. It was the reality, man, just appreciating everything I had, mm -hmm. everything that she, she done, all the efforts and, and everything. Mm -hmm. It was a, definitely a wake-up call, like crash course. Uh, man, that's um, now I'm on my own. It's that very, very similar. And, it, and it's cool, too, because I had an interview with Draculino um, a few episodes ago, and I have uh, Hobson Mora, one of the first uh, episodes that we had for the podcast. And both, they mentioned very similar thing to you. Like they were in good position in their their life. They're yeah. like, we're good, we're good. 
You know, there's no reason, but they felt the need of the extra challenge. And like, what can I do to step up? You know, like, and it's, it's a hard decision. Like you said, and like, sometimes when you have nothing going on and then you, you go, you go out and you try it's like it is what it is. But when you actually accomplish something, you establish it like, okay, I'm good. I'm going to just leave everything behind to basically start all over again to something that I'm not even quite sure what's going to happen. It's, it's definitely harder. Yeah, man, it was, was, you know, was very hard, very hard. I, it's funny, you know how cool is that that I look, you know, hear what you said about Draculina, about you, about, you know, uh, Rob's, Robin, right? You see that? We all were comfortable, but we needed to challenge ourselves, you know, getting a point like, man, I, you know, it's, I don't want to sit here. I don't want to, you know, I got to do something. I got I to gotta keep challenging. And I think that's what I keep us moving. Is that challenge, you know, you asked me one question that relates to jiu-jitsu and life. Yeah. Jiu-jitsu, we challenge ourselves every day when we step in the mat. You know, challenge trying a new thing, challenge making our students better. You know, somehow we challenge ourselves every day. So I'll tell you what I, people that I, they are looking for the move and they're not sure if they're going to move, challenge yourself. Yeah, this challenge is... Oh, yeah, I always try to give some suggestions to the listeners too that really stop and reflect on the moment that you live in right now. Mm-hmm. And because sometimes you are in a good position and you're good and, and you're doing exactly what you want. But if you feel that you have that little bug that there's something's off that you need that extra challenge, mm-hmm. you definitely got to do it. Of course, you got to plan and really, really reflect on what oh, you want to yeah. do. You know, it's not just kind of crazy and just like, ah, okay, I'm doing it. But definitely the passion needs to be uh, driving you so much because hard times will happen in that that why you're doing the whole thing when the hard times come. That's what's going to give you strength. So mm-hmm. if you're not quite sure if you're just motivated by money or whatever, it's not going to work out for you. You know, as long as you have the passion that you feel that there's something out there I know that it's hard. It's hard when you're in a good position and you want to just do something else. But at the end of the yeah. day, you know, you want to get the fulfillment. You know, oh, 100%. You know, if you want, Gustav, if you allow me, I have a, a quick story to share. And it's about one of my students. So I have a student. He owns a school now. Very successful school. Very successful. His name is Danny Savory. And he's he's good. He's doing awesome. He's his school, it's like awesome. What's fun? What's the good story about him? He was a police officer. His father was a police officer. His brother is a police officer. He was a police officer with, let's talk about the security, the security paycheck every week, no problem. Life is moved on the right direction. But he was miserable. Because he grew up watching his father coming home every day, feeling miserable that he didn't like the job, always stressed about. So, but then, because of the career in the family, he ended up, you know, going. But he's like, I don't want to do this for my life. He's he. So, I'm gonna move forward in the story. But it was so funny. He's like, one day, me and him were talking, and 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 he's like, man, I really want to have a school one day. I really wanna. And I'm like, okay, then why don't you do it? So moving, moving, he opened his little school, started very small. Then he got bigger, bigger. And he kept uh, 
uh, his, his job for a while, while his school was growing. And then came the day that he's like, do I quit my job without my pension? Because he didn't have enough time for his pension. And I keep it there just because of the safe, like the security of the money and everything. Or I go full time in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. You know, he had enough students by the time, you know, but you know how it is running school. You know, you have 50 students this month, you can drop to 30 the next month. It's like you never know, right? Mm -hmm. So he was very, man, I remember I, in that process of what he's going to do. And I was talking to him a lot, you know, like, hey, man, you can do it, whatever. I always tell him, look at me. I say, look at me, man. I moved here. We felt I didn't, I didn't speak one word in English when I moved to this country. You know, I didn't have anything. And look, I am. If I made it, you can make it. I told him that. But the funny part was, I called him one day. And he was like on the middle of a chase. He was chasing. He was on the middle, like chasing <laughs> some, man, he was chasing a fox. So he, on the middle of the talk, he's like, Tedeco, man, I'm chasing this F fox here. I got to shoot this thing. This thing, I think it had rabies. And he's like, I can't do this anymore. That was the day of his decision. You know, that's how funny it is. And that day, he's like, you know what? And it's so funny. He quit it. He's doing so well. His school is doing so well. He's so happy. He's so glad that he made that decision. He was scared to make it, 100%, no doubt about. But you know, he's like, that's what I wanna, how I wanna my life in 10 years? How do I wanna be in five years? You know, and when he did it, he quit it. Beautiful, and that's a, it's a good thing to say to, to you, the listeners, where do you want your life in five years? Where that's do you exactly. want in 10 and 15? And I always share, a quote from the motivational speaker, Jim Rohn, who say, work full-time on your living, part-time on your dream. And that's exactly what he did. And one day with, of course, with patience and a lot of hard work, you'll be able to flip that and get to a point that your, your, your part-time be becomes your full-time. Of course, it takes time. Some people, it depends where you add in your life. People are in different moments in the journey. And like in that case, he couldn't just bail, just like, okay, I'm gone and I'm teaching he couldn't mm -hmm. do that. It was a slow process. So it depends where you're at in your life. But as long as you understand that you're going to have to put a lot of extra hours mm -hmm. to make that happen. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, man. I, I strongly believe, I, maybe I'm uh, my naive optimism, but I really believe people can make their living in every, anything that they want any passion that they have you know i of course some of the some professions or some choices are definitely tougher for sure the more unique ones they're tougher but i truly believe that man people can definitely pay the price and working the extra hours i believe that people can now what did you say in the in this middle of man, so many entrepreneurial experiences that you have what some of the toughest struggles that you had and what did you learn from it? Gustav was many over the years. I have many, many struggles, many, many problems, you know, but I'll tell you the find the right people, you know, find the right people, man. That was, but it's funny. I think as you get older, 
not older, I don't want to say older, as you, you know, yeah, as you are around you longer, like you get more experience and you can read people better, you know, that was the biggest struggle for me, man. I had a partnership that was awful. You know, sometimes you think he's the right partner because he has money to invest. That doesn't mean he's the right one. Yeah. You know, sometimes you think that instructor, because he is your best student in class, he's going to be the best instructor. That doesn't mean nothing. So my biggest struggles, like with my business, of course, besides regular things, was finding the right people. Yeah, that was and, this is such a common conversation that I have here, especially with jujitsu schools per se, yeah. you know, so for sometimes I repeat myself a lot as far as some of the hardcore listeners that watch every 61 episodes, but you know, <laughs> some of the topics just come up very often. And one of them, especially with that, with staff, that's something that I personally struggle to and and like I said, you know, some, and especially in jujitsu and the previous episode, we just, uh, we just talk about this too, but it's usually it's changing. The business is changing jujitsu, but for the most part, you don't put a, an ad, a looking for a jujitsu instructor yeah. or whatever. You know, now we're having more people coming from other schools, you know, it's definitely evolving more, but for the most part, it's whoever is there is someone that's training with you and they, they have the extra time and next thing becomes a helper and next thing it's an employee and it's hard and especially with a partnership was you mentioned i had partnerships before too and they're very challenging and mm -hmm. i like to say that we say a lot in us that when you're not on the same page i mean there's times that we're not even in the same library you know what i mean and like <laughs> not every book is like dude we're not even close. You know what I'm saying? Like you're over there, I'm over here. And we just learned that I, I feel that it's a lot of the emotional maturity process, you know. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I have a, you know, I have a great partnership with Pete, you know, and uh, at Orgia, and man, and now Jaco comes in, you know, and it's, you know, I think we complete each other. But you know what makes work a partnership, in my opinion? The, each partner, they have to know their place and what they are important for. That's what I think, you know, and my, the partnerships that I had that I did the work, it's when they start to step over each other, you know, like, hey, man, you are supposed to take care of this. I take care of that part, you know, it's so that's what I, again, it's, it's, it's challenging, but uh, related to like the, 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 the partnership, I have great partnerships, but some are not so great. And definitely find the right people, man. That's yeah, no, I, I think this, and this is something that I want to, even if you could expand even a little more, because thinking about people who are going in in business right now, maybe one uh, something extra advice. What you just said, it's really uh, great. Plus, I mentioned about being on the same page, but for people who are planning on going in business. They're not quite in business. They're planning on going in business. And the same thing, hey, this guy is going to invest. Hey, this guy has the money and it's not always the answer. No. So no. what else do you think about to, for people to take in consideration if they want to go in partnerships? <clears throat> biggest one is it's couple. Like let me put the biggest one you just said. 
the money is not everything. You know, sometimes we think like, oh, he's an investor, he gets money. I'm going to open that half a million dollar school. You know, that's not everything. That's not everything. Uh, I think if someone it's looking like to get in a partnership, to get in, before you make any, any, any move, make very clear what's your rights, that what you are supposed to do in that partnership, what your partner is supposed to do in your partnership, and don't cross each other. Because I do believe that's when the problem works. You know, I see these every single day. That's what happens to me. And that's what happens with everybody that I, they always come over. Like I use such perfect example. I was talking with uh, one of my uh, oldest students in Brazil, which he was talking about the situation in one school that, so they, they have the head instructor and the mother of the head instructor starts to work in the school. Mm. So what the mother starts to doing, telling the other instructors how they should run a class. That's not good. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? It's so crazy. And that happens. It's so, that happens to me, Gustavo. My partner that I had, and, my, and, and uh, that I'm talking about the most recent one, recent one. And uh, he was trying to tell me how should I run the class. Hmm. And he was my student. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Because in his mind, he wasn't, he wasn't clear enough what his portion was in the business. Makes sense? Yeah. And I, it was my fault too that I didn't, made, I didn't make it clear enough for him to say, hey man, that's your part. Don't step on mine. In the same way that I'm not going to step on yours. So that's what that's what it is. So now I don't have partners in the school anymore. So I own everything. It's it's it sounds funny, but that was. But that is, you know what I like? You said that you you took responsibility for saying like you know what that was my bad that I wasn't clear enough. Oh, one hundred percent, one hundred percent, and that's a hell of a learning experience. And sometimes, uh, because I'll tell you what, one thing that could have happened is. Okay, you guys split, and then you start the blaming game, and you're doing this and that. Mm -hmm. Next thing, you maybe you get into another partnership, a, a different, uh, uh, maybe not with the school, but some type of venture, some business venture that you want to do, whatever. And then you again, you're not clear with the roles yeah. again, so you end up making the same mistakes. So that's uh, super important, guys, for everyone who's listening. That that we have to recognize that, that like, yeah, my bad, I should have been clear and I, and I wasn't and hopefully minimize the chance of making the same mistake in the future, you know? Yeah, 100%, 100%. And the other thing that I learned too is um, if they, because if the investor is a very successful businessman and he has money, that doesn't mean that the school is going to be successful. Yep. Some people, they look like, oh, my partner comes in, he's a lawyer, he's a millionaire, he loves jiu-jitsu, so can't you go wrong? No, 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 can and will go wrong if you don't make it very clear, like, 
You know, what your roles are in the company and what roles he has in the company. And remember, he's invested the money, but everything is on the structure. You are running the show. You are running the school. Yeah, it's and it's so important to you to bring qualities that you can kind of like. One hundred percent. You know, you bring 100%. you bring in skills that he doesn't have, and vice versa. That's when you bring you do the partnership with both, bring the same kind of set of skills. Maybe it won't be as as productive. Yeah, one hundred percent. One hundred percent. Now, what did you feel is one of high performance habit that you practice daily that has helped you? jiu-jitsu personal professional life something that you practice daily man i love the mondays yeah <laughs> that's mine you know it's it's so funny i look every day as mondays you know so many people like i can't wait to 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 the weekend i can't wait yeah. for the weekend i'm in the opposite i can't wait for mondays i have you know my feeling monday it's a restart you know it's the same way that every morning I believe you having a chance to make a new day and a better day. So that's one thing that I'm very positive. Every day, number one, Mondays. My wife jokes with me all the time. You are the only person that I know that I love Mondays. And I, I, I love Mondays. I love, I get excited about Mondays. <laughs> and the morning, I have this thing in the morning that I, you know, I always look every morning as a new day. That's a new day. I, I, I wake up early because I like to wake up early. It's me. It's not to do anything. I like it. Um, and every morning when I wake up, I always wake up in a good mood because I always look like, oh my God, and I get another, you know, I have another chance to do something better, to make someone's life better, you know, to maybe bring some positivity to someone. That's how I look, you know, to see my kids, to kiss my kids, to, you know, to come to the school, sit in my chair. You know, I sit down in my school. As soon as I walk to my school, I'm always like, thank you so much, God, so I can every day work in what I love. You know, it's, it's, that's something that I do every day, for sure, for that's sure. Great. Now, what is the best advice you've ever received? That could have been jiu-jitsu, life, doesn't matter. Something that kind of really you kept. I, I get it too. It's so funny. I got two advices uh, that I got. I mean, I got many advices over the years. If I have to put, let's put this way. Can I say three advices? Sure. One, I was a blue belt. And it's, it's about life, actually. Man, do you remember the Guarana in Copacabana? Mm -hmm. So we trained at De La Riva, 7 o'clock in the morning. Man, we trained like a maniac, whatever. So we left, we went to Guarana, right? And then I... I had to park my car away. They didn't have a parking spot. So me and Della River, we were walking the streets towards the, 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 the Guarana. Man, I see this guy walking towards us. And he was looking like, you, know, you, you remember Jiu-Jitsu back in the days, man. He was like looking with that face, you know, trying to make a face. And he was staring at Della River. So... I, and I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, holy cow, I mean, there are rivets, man. Everybody loves him. So I'm like, man, why this guy? And we are looking, and we see they stare, he's staring at us, but more towards De La Riva, right? And I saw De La Riva look at him. When De La Riva got closer to him, De La Riva like, hey, man, how are you doing? And he extended his hand to him with a big smile. The guy, hey, how are you? And walked away. And then I'm like, 
hey, Dallas, do you know who he is? He's like, I know. I don't know. I'm like, what? He's like, no, I have no idea who he is. I said, why did you say hi? Why did you shake his hand? It's like he was looking at me. I'm assuming he wants to talk to me. So I just say hi to him. <laughs> Gustavo, you know the lesson that I got that day? He could have he answered him like giving him some like nasty face, which is not De La Riva, but you know what I'm saying? When somebody yeah. look at you and you look back with that face, he chose to say hi. And I saw that he broke that guy's spirit. So look like he didn't give me an advice like, hey, I'm giving you an advice. He taught me one mm. without saying anything. Beautiful. That was one. The second one, actually, you know who gave it to me? Was Saulo Ribeiro. Mm. So in 2004, uh, when I moved here, they had a grappling quest to one tournament that was the eight men's tournament. Mm -hmm. So Formiga was fighting. He was one of the eight people. And he was going to fight Saulo, whatever. It was eight guys fighting. But so I saw Saulo there and Saulo was already leaving in the USA. So I sat down with Saulo and we are talking and Saulo like, hey, did that feel moved here? Blah, 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 blah. And we start talking. I said, yeah. I said, hey, man, I just moved here. Probably Saulo doesn't even remember that. I said, I just moved it. And we start chatting about, and I told him, actually, I said, yeah, man, but I mean, my school is not really in a good spot. I was like under the basement of the dentist's office. And in front of my school, where was all the dumpster for the dentist. Mm -hmm. So it was like everything to go wrong, right? Saulo told me this, man. He turns to me, he's like, hey, he's like, I haven't been here too long but I'm here longer enough than you. He's like, I'm going to give you one advice. Believe in the place that you are. Believe in the location that you are. People will come to you once they find out that you are there. He's like, don't feel because you're going to move locations, you're going to have more students. You got to believe in the location that when you are. And I will tell you, Gustavo. I like that. There was an unreal advice. I'll tell you why. I stayed in that basement for seven years until I couldn't fit more people in there. Gustavo, I had a line outside the school waiting to get in to grapple. And was the best why? In that spot there, I was able to like grow my school because, because it was such a bad, really bad spot. Man, the ranch was $300 a month. Mm -hmm. So, you know, can you imagine how bad it was? <laughs> 300 bucks a month. So, that was, it was like, I'm talking about, like, it was a beautiful place. The dentist's office on top, everything was beautiful, but the location itself wasn't that great. But that's where I made my name. That's what I made my school. And that's where I was able to have enough students to move to a bigger space because I couldn't fit more people there. And the third advice was Liborio. Why am I saying that? Because it relates to the small place going to a bigger place. Mm -hmm. So one day Liborio came here. He comes every year to do a seminar. And I was sitting with him. I was really stressed about it. And I'm like, oh man, I don't know, Liba, if I should move, if I shouldn't move. I was so stressed. And then he turns to me. He puts my hand on me. He's like, Dedeco, what are you talking about? He's like, Look at your life. Everything that you do, you are successful. Look at your family. 
Look your kids. Look what you look your friendship that you have around you. Everything that you do, you are successful. He's like, can't go wrong. Don't be afraid to move. Just move. Look at the life around you. Just make it happen. And I did. That's a beautiful. With yeah, what he so, was one of the guests too that we have here. Uh, I can't remember exactly the episode, but I think it was maybe uh, fifteen. And oh, it was a nice. great, yeah, it was a great interview too. Um, so, what advice would you give to the younger that that want to move to the United States? Not, not that you want anything different. You know what I mean? It's more like, mm -hmm. hey, buddy, you had a chance to have a conversation with with the younger version. Say, let me just tell you one thing here, real quick. What that would be. Man, I would teach myself the rule, the rule of five. Have you heard of that? I don't know. Maybe so, describe to me. <laughs> look at that. Look at this, this advice, uh, this rule, because I live by this rule now. And I, that's the rule that actually I would teach even the deck when I was 20 years old. Mm -hmm. When some, any situation that, uh, you know, is going to aggravate you, it's going to make you angry, it's going to. You know, it's going to get you mad. Any situation, anything that bothers you, because it's funny, right? Doesn't matter. Sometimes your day is going so well, so beautiful. And one little thing happens and pretty much look like they ruin your whole day, right? Mm -hmm. So I call the rules of the five. So what I mean is this. When these things happen to me now to, to like get me out of track, get me in a bad mood, whatever, I always thinking about, okay, how much that's going to bother me in five minutes? And it's like, oh shit, it's going to still bother me a lot. What about five hours? What about five days? What about 50 days? And what about in five years? Usually I stop writing five hours. I'm like, man, in five hours, I won't even remember that. Good and I move on. Never that's, heard that rule. That's pretty good. I'm telling Gustavo, I live by that, man. When something drives me crazy, anything, I stop and I'm like, okay, in five minutes, oh man, I'm going to be so mad. 50 minutes, oh, I'm still going to be so pissed. Five hours, eh, maybe five days. I won't even remember. Mm -hmm. So. Exactly. Nice. I like that. That's the, that's I would give it to the younger Dadako, man. I'm telling you. I wish I knew that back in the day. <laughs> well, that's part of the emotional maturity process. Yeah, 100%. I mean? Yeah. 100%. So do you have the habit of reading or audiobooks or podcasts? Do you consume any, anything? What do you like? Yes. I, I have a book that I love. Probably I mean, everybody, I think, loves this book. And uh, it's more audible. I like to, to, to listen more mm -hmm. than, than read. Uh, it's the it Start With Why. Mm -hmm. I love the yeah. uh, I love the book. I I listen to that book. I don't even know how many times now, and I I love I love it's 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 the book that I I feel it's talking to me, and I I like to listen a lot Pete's podcast, uh, Hands and Daylights, because he what I love the podcast it's involved. All the struggle in everything, you know. Not only it's life, it's 
family. It's it's so it's I love the podcast too. I love his podcast. Yeah, I've listened it's to yours, a bunch of episodes. <laughs> I like yours a lot. Yeah, I like yours a lot. Uh, yeah, Simon Sinek is awesome, and he has another book, uh, Leaders Eat Less, which is really cool too. So um, it kind of goes in the same line. So uh -huh. it's a very, very interesting book too. So what are you currently excited about? What's going on? I know we've got a lot of new projects happening. So Man, I, I'm telling Gustav, I'm really excited about the online store, the DDM code that we just, I mean, I'm, ex I'm always excited about everything, to be honest with you. But uh, one that I like, it's, it's, it's getting me now, you know, it's, it's of course Origin. You know, Origin is always, Origin was, it's our baby, you know, was Pete and, Pete and mine, it's our baby, and Pete's wife and my wife's baby, you know, that it's just starts to, it's going to college, it's doing very well. Mm -hmm. And then I start a new challenge with, uh, it's the DMCO, it's the online store. That we are trying to do is this, just put a good message out there, you know, put a good, a good message, you know, so people can wear a good message out there. Like we made a shirt that we call try again, you know, it's try again and again and again and again and again, you know, until you succeed. So we are, it's pretty much that I'm very excited about this new online store that we are doing. It's going very well. And yeah, that's what it is, man. Yeah, this is great, man. And for getting close to the end of the interview for all the listeners, maybe you have some new listeners, hopefully getting some some new people, some of your students checking oh, it out well, for the first time. Well. So usually what I do after the interview, I listen to the to the interview again and then I reflect and I sometimes I research and I create a content based on my takeaway from the interview and I put mm -hmm. an audio from five to twelve minutes. And sometimes take me a long time to get this every time. If I'm going to put a content out there, I, I want to put something that is going to inspire, impact, and improve the listener's life in some ways. So I always put a lot of thought into those, those audios. So if, you, for if you're listening right now, you can always catch up also at Instagram, Gustavo Dantas BJJ. I put on IGTV. All the final thoughts are there five to 12 minutes audio. So all 60 of them are in the um, IGTV. And man, thank you so much for your time. This is, uh, has been great. Thank you, man. An amazing you. A lot of experience to share. We go way back. So this is a awesome catch up to see what you're doing professionally, personally. So man, congratulations and everything right, to accomplish, man. man. Thank you too, man. I'm always following you, see what you're doing. You know, it's so funny, right, Gustavo? Uh, I was talking to Formiga uh, like a couple of days ago, and we are talking like, you know, I said, I said, because, man, we, we were all kids together, you know, you, me. We all come from the same, the same tree, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I was sitting down with Formiga, I said, man, could you ever picture what's happening now? And he's like, no, man, no. That jujitsu that we start back then, all passion, all you know, mm -hmm. that how we used to be. We don't have to get into that, but how we used to be, it's so awesome. And you know, it's the best that I think we all still connected. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the best. You know, we all we still connected, and that's the I think shows you know how how we are, what we are. For sure, man. Thank you so much one more time. And for all the listeners, stick around for my final thoughts. 
Us. Thank you. Let me share with you my final thoughts from the interview with André Dedeco Almeida. If you're listening just to the final thoughts on Instagram TV at Gustavo Dantas BJJ, Dedeco is a fifth degree black belt and a serial entrepreneur. Besides being the co-owner of the New England United BJJ team, he is the co-founder of Origin USA along with Pete Roberts, our guest from episode number five, and recently the co-owner of DD and Co Lifestyle Clothing brand. During the interview, I share with you that Dedeco and I have known each other since 1992 when we trained together in Brazil. He shared his early days teaching in Brazil, then eventually the tough transition to the United States. My main takeaway was when he talked about partnerships in business, which inspired me to title this episode, Making a Business Partnership Work. As you already know, after each interview, I reflect on my takeaway and I research new ideas and topics to share with you. And I found an article from score.org titled, Seven Tips for Making a Business Partnership Work. And I'm going to share them with you. SCORE is a 501c3 nonprofit organization and a resource partner of the U.S. Small Business Administration, SBA. They are the nation's largest network of volunteer expert business mentors dedicated to helping small business get off the ground, grow, and achieve their goals. Since 1964, they have provided education and mentorship to more than 11 million entrepreneurs. The cool thing about starting your own business is the ability to choose the people you're going to work with, right? However, before we get into the seven tips, I'd like you to reflect on two questions. These two questions apply if you're going to launch a business together or even a just temporary partnership with a project together. So, do you want to partner up because you genuinely believe it's the best thing to do? Or are you afraid that we'll not be able to make it on your own? It's a legit question that requires a brutally honest answer. So if you feel that you want to move forward with a partnership, let's discuss some of the tips. Number one, share the same values. Have you ever started a partnership that in the middle of it, you figured out that you both are not on the same page as we say in America? Matter of fact, you two were so far apart that you two were not even in the same library. Different core values, goals, and work ethic? Well, I've been there before, and that is when I realized the partnership was going to end at some point. Don't get me wrong. It's not that I was right and he was wrong. We were not sharing the same values, and we were both too inexperienced to realize that at the beginning of the partnership slash relationship. After almost 12 years, it was time to split, and it was better for both of us. With that said, if you want your business to succeed in the long term, be very clear about your values, goals, and expectations so you don't get caught by surprise. Number two, choose a partner with complementary skills. I'm going to quote exactly what they said in the article. Quote, when you and your business partner have different strengths, you will double the power of your startup team right off the bat. Unquote. A great example is the visionary and the integrated concept that has been brought up in different interviews. Visionaries are creative, big-thinking idea generators, while integrators are analytical, process-oriented, and drivers of the day-to-day operations. Integrators are responsible for implementing the ideas of the visionary, 
both complement each other. For example, I'm a visionary by nature. I'm not a good integrator, and I admit that. My wife is a great integrator, and she helps me to execute a lot of my ideas. Now, imagine when two visionaries work together, or imagine two integrators together. The balance is crucial. I was watching an interview with the owner and CEO of the basketball team, Golden State Warriors, Joe Jacob, and the reporter asked, what is your role at the company? And he answered, I have two roles. One is to be the visionary of the company, and the second is to find the people to execute the vision. Make sure that you recognize your and your possible future partners' strengths and weaknesses, that both of you bring complementary skills to the table, which is a great way to double up the power of your startup team right off the bat, as the article mentioned. Number three, have a track record together. I'm going to read the small paragraph from this tip. Quote, Succeeding as business partners doesn't require having ran a business together or even having worked together before. It does require a track record of going through similar challenges together successfully. Look for a partner you have handled conflicts with, achieved common goals with, and survived tough times with in the past, unquote. I can see how this is not always possible. However, I can see how having this bond of handling conflicts with achieved common goals with, and survived tough times with in the past can be a huge plus in a partnership slash relationship. Number four, clearly define each partner's role and responsibilities. This was one of the main tips that Dacu mentioned during the interview, the understanding of each other's roles. He said that he made a mistake in one of his most recent partnerships of not being clear to each other's roles and responsibilities. So he took full responsibility for not doing so and he learned a big lesson. Make sure that you know your place and responsibilities and your partner is aware as well to minimize the chance of having an unnecessary issue in the future. I'm going to mention number five and six together since both are related to the legal side of the business. Number five, select the right business structure and number six, put it in writing. In the article, they mention, quote, you can organize a partnership as a general partnership, limited partnership, or limited liability partnership. However, you can also organize it as a C corporation or S corporation. Each form of business has its advantages and disadvantages in terms of liability, taxes, and in continuity. Talk to an attorney or another experienced advisor to help determine which form of business is right for you and your partner, unquote. With that said, put everything in writing, even if you're starting a business with your best friend. They said, quote, you need to draw up legal documents regarding your business structure, capital contribution to the business, how decisions will be made and disputes resolved, and what happens if one partner wants to leave the business, unquote. It's better to plan the uncomfortable conversation now so if you face a difficult situation in the future, it will make a lot easier to discuss. The last one, number seven, be honest with each other. In the previous Final Thoughts, I share with you a simple concept from the bestseller with over 15 million copies sold worldwide, How to Win Friends and Influence People, written by Dale Carnegie, published in 1936. In the chapter titled, How to Win People to Your Way of Thinking, Carnegie shares a principle, quote, 
Try honestly to see things from the other person's point of view, unquote. Empathy is critical in any relationship, especially in a business partnership. He also said in the book, quote, success in dealing with people depend on a sympathetic grasp of the other person's viewpoint. Cooperativeness in conversation is achieved when you show that you consider the other person's ideas and feelings as important as your own, unquote. That is why you must be honest with each other to make the relationship less. And if you feel that it's not going to work, be honest as well. When I made my decision to leave the 12 years partnership I mentioned earlier, I wanted to be honest and upfront. I gave him two years notice, not two days, not two months, two years. We worked together for a long time. I respect him and I would like if someone would have done the same to me. Plus, the last thing I wanted was him having the feeling that I stabbed him in the back. After one year of the announcement, he asked me if I wanted to reevaluate our agreement, which I chose not to. Then six months after, he approached me again. However, the tip number one was very clear to me by that point. We didn't share the same values and goals. It was a great ride, but it was time for both of us to move on. Is business partnerships a wrong move? Uh, depends. Do you really want to partner up because you truly believe it's the best thing to do? Or are you afraid that you will not be able to make it on your own? So if you want to partner up because you truly believe is the best thing to do, do not underestimate the first six tips and always be honest to yourself and your future partner. Oh, We're glad you were able to join us for this episode of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast. But the lesson doesn't end here. Watch the videos and download the audio of the 10 mental mistakes BJJ competitors make and how to avoid them for free when you subscribe to the BJJMentalCoach.com. Don't miss the chance to find out what might be holding you back from being your best self on and off the mat. That's the BJJMentalCoach.com.